0: awesome how are we doing we excited you gotta you gotta give it back to me people yes okay So, for as long as i can remember my mom has had this china cabinet and the china cabinet is china right beautiful crystals and plates stuff that we were never allowed to touch or use and this china cabinet traveled with us from california to kentucky It was in storage units to apartments to houses and it went with the family wherever uh, we went. And I remember being in college and I was having a conversation with one of my uh, friends and he was telling me how his dad has this old Porsche. Oh, and the Porsche one day was going to be his. And I was like, yes, my mom's passing down to me China. It's going to be amazing. We were like, China, Porsche, China, Porsche. So it's like, mm, you may have got the better deal, but I'm going to have something to eat on, right? So raise your hand if you know that there's something that, like, a parent or a grandparent is passing down to you. Yes. How many of us are excited about what's being passed down? Yes. Yes. How many of you are like, man, I'm getting China? Get it? yeah. It's all right. It's a, this is a safe place to express. Express your disappointments, right? But it is human nature to pass down things from one generation to another, right? Parents do this with their children. Uh, it's what we call an inheritance, right? And the Bible says in Proverbs that a good man or a good father will pass down an inheritance to his children. And we see this happening all, in, like in all facets of life, right? Our kids are going back to school in a week. Bless the Lord, some of them are not super fired up, but all the parents are like, yes, Jesus, you have heard my cry, you know my needs, they are going back to school. And the hope is that the teachers will pass down an inheritance of knowledge and understanding on some particular topic so that hopefully one glorious day they will be contributing members of society right and then we have this um, happening in business right we have the senior executive who passes down knowledge to the the junior executive down to the intern so that one day they might too be able to climb whatever ladder do whatever it is that they're supposed to be doing and of course we see this happening in the church right you have pastors and leaders leaders of the neighborhood collective who are passing down this faith in God that they have, this love for joyfully following him so that you too can be used uh, for God's kingdom and for his glory. And so we see this kind of relationship uh, between the prophets Elijah and Elisha, right? And so for those of you who don't know Elijah and Elijah, I'm going to give you a quick, like, fast and dirty highlight of what was happening in 1 Kings uh, 18 and 19 so elijah is this prophet of god and they're in this season where there's a three-year drought because the people have like lost their mind they started you know worshiping baal and asherah because jezebel who was married to king ahab that's how she rolled and so this is what's happening right so elijah comes out of hiding like there are all these prophets that were either they either got slaughtered or they were in hiding and elijah was like yo meet me at the playground we're about to fight right so they have this huge like uh this battle of like whose god is the real guy so god sends down fire and it burns it all up And they're like the lord is god and so then elijah slaughters all like these hundreds of prophets of baal and uh and asherah and then he predicts that um rain is coming right for the first time rain is coming and so he's excited he's fired up he runs to jezreel where jezebel is because he's amped right he's like yeah See, I'm gonna spill some more water. You know, <laughs> step over here. Um, so he's amped, and so he gets there, but he hears from Jezebel. Jezebel's like, Oh, he didn't killed all my prophets. And so she's like, Yo, I'm gonna kill you too. And so Elijah was like, Uh oh. So he runs. He runs to the wilderness. He's in the wilderness. He's like, Oh, I just want to die, Lord. I just want to die. The Lord sends him an angel. He's like, Here, have some Burger King. You need some strength. So he's running for 30, 40 days, and he makes it to the mountain of God in Horeb, and he's in the cave. And God is like, Yo, what are you doing here? Like, I'm pretty sure I sent you to Jezreel, but here you are, like, this 40 day journey in this cave. And so, you know, he gives God this soft story. He's like, Oh, I was just loving the Lord and shunning evil, but everybody wants to kill me. So he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And God's like, okay, amen. I see you struggling. It's cool. I'm going to send some people to help you, right? And one of the people that I'm going to send for you that I want you to anoint and train up is this prophet named Elisha. And I want you to train him up, and he is the one who's going to succeed you as the prophet of the Lord, and so Elijah goes, he does that, and Elisha and Elijah are now kind of walking together. And as Elijah begins to end like his journey on this earth, he's going to these places and Elijah was like, Yo, Elijah, like I just need you to stay back. And Elijah's like, No, wherever you go, I go. Like, we need that kind of person in our life, right? Wherever you go, I go. And so he's like, Not only am I going with you, but how can I get a double portion of your spirit? when you leave. Right? And so Elijah was like, I can't really promise that. However, what I will say is that if you see me leave, the double inheritance is yours. And so we're going to pick up here in 2 Kings 2:11. Uh, Verses uh, 2 Kings 2, verses 11 through 14, the scriptures read, As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's coat that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. I just think about that. I was like, yo, that's so epic, Lord. Right? He just picked the, I just want to pick up water just dividing you know the ground is dry and he walks over and he gets this double inheritance that he had asked for right and that's one of the things like hopefully we want the inheritance that is coming towards us and so I think about um, all of the seasons of my life and all of the people who has passed down something to me right, who is giving me some sort of inheritance of a gift, a skill, something along those lines. And I remember uh, being in the seventh grade, you may not believe it, but once upon a time, I was shy. And once upon a time, I was very quiet-spoken, and I just kind of spoke like this all of the time. And I remember it was um, seventh grade science project. I had my my three-panel uh, cardboard yes yes right and so i'm i'm i'm, I'm telling my class about sclerosis, and my teacher is standing at the back of the class and she's like shala i can't hear you right and so me being the um obnoxious and annoyed tween that i was i respond is this better can you hear me now arteriosclerosis is when your arteries clog with cholesterol and your narrowed arteries can't let the blood flow through. And she's like, okay, good. A for you. I'm like, thank you. And so I've been loud since. Right? So, so my husband is like, Shala, why are you so loud? And I'm like, yo, talk to my 7th grade teacher. This is totally her fault. But it worked out because when I got to 8th grade, I was in home ec. Anybody else take home HomeC, Yeah! You know, I asked that to a bunch of middle schoolers and they were like, no. So I, was, I, was, I took Home Ec, and at the time uh, in Kentucky, it was the Future Homemakers of America was our club. It is now the, like, family, career, and community leaders of America because we're breaking through the glass ceilings now. Um, and so uh, when I was in the Future Homemakers of America, they had this star competition, which had, like, I don't know, 20 or so different kinds of competitions. So I chose Illustrated Talk. Right, It was a speech competition. I had never done a speech competition. I had never done a speech before. But this is what I did. I didn't know I could draw, but I could. And this when you had a presentation. You didn't have, like, a fancy PowerPoint back in the 90s. You had, like, a poster board with some hand-drawn things, and then it got laminated. Do we know what lamination <laughs> We laminate anything anymore. Um, so this is what I did. And so I went to regionals and I won regionals. And then I went to state and I won state. And then I went to nationals and I came home with a gold medal on a talk about the difference between a stereotype and a hate-filled prejudice. I didn't know that like this would be a part of who I was, right, and, and all of the things. But this happened and, you know, maybe if that seventh grade science teacher didn't inspire me to speak a little louder, I would not be here today, Um, and then I remember there was um, a volunteer youth leader, uh, Sister Kathy Thornton, um, and she used to pick me up, and she got me involved in Bible quiz, Um, so in the Assemblies of God Church, there's a Bible quiz competition, um, and I loved it. I was this, you know, kind of nerdy overachiever, and, and it developed in me this thirst, for God, this thirst for his scripture and knowing the Bible and knowing the word. Um, and so it just took me into kind of fellowship of Christian athletes in high school and then campus ministry in college and then long, winding career in creative and then suddenly I'm here and this is kind of what I do, right? And so it's this, it was this passing on, like God bringing people in at the different stages of my life to get me to do the kind of kingdom work that he had planned For me, and here's the cool thing my story is also your story. It may not be, um, it may not end in like a vocational ministry kind of job, but along the way, God has been sending people to each of you to drop something in you, to drop an inheritance of wisdom and knowledge, passion for this thing or for that thing. And his purpose is still for you to be unleashed for his kingdom work, whatever that thing is is. And so if you're here, I am confident that God has kingdom work for you to do. I am confident that he has something that he has put in you that he wants to pull out. And if you allow the people who he has strategically placed in your life, even within this church, to pour into you and unlock those hidden gifts, you'll find yourself doing some seriously epic things for the kingdom of God. And so today I want to give you three things that um, I think you need to do as someone who is chosen for kingdom work. So one is you need to ditch the need to fit into an ungodly world. Ditch the need to fit into an ungodly world. And that's easier said than done, right? Because it's, it's the world that we live in. Um, and you're going to feel pressure from all sorts of people, right? You feel pressure to fit into the standard of uh, your neighbor's right? Is my lawn manicured or are my children quiet enough? <laughs> Never. <laughs> um, am I fitting into the standard of my coworker and their expectations for me? Am I fitting into the standard of my family, of my parents and who they think I should be and what they think I should be doing? Um, am I fitting into the standard of my pastors, right? They're all of these standards. And if you're this, um, perfectionist type of person like me who desperately wants to know that that she is approved and she's good enough you're gonna do everything you can to try to fit into every single group even the ungodly ones because there's something cool about the ungodly ones that we just want to be a part of for whatever um reason but here's the thing when you decided to accept jesus christ um as your lord and savior he set you apart Right. That's the church. The church is set apart. and You are not designed to fit in. Right. That is not God's plan for you to just fit in to the rest of the world. And he needs you to be an image bearer of Jesus Christ. He needs you to be that person who's going to go out into your workplace and go out into your community and show people Jesus. What does Jesus look like? What is it like to be around him? Because our world is hurting right? Our our world is dying, and it needs people who are like Jesus, right? It needs people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and can I get a hallelujah for self-control, right? I feel like self-control, you know, it's at the end of the list, and we don't give it enough props, Right, but if you had a little more self-control, you might be a little bit more loving. If you had a little more self-control, you might be more patient. If you had a little more self-control, you might be more gentle. Right? We need lots of self-control. Sometimes you just need to shut your mouth. Just shut your mouth, and all, all will be well. We need. If we have all the like the love. All the world just need is love. All the world need, All the world needs is self-control. We just need a little self-control. Um, <laughs> in the world. And so we need that to go out because we, we don't, ha- we have all of these people who are just, you know, there's so full of hate and anger and, and all of the things. And if we just show Jesus a little bit more, if we just showed up and said, here, have a little fruit of the spirit, have a little peace and have a little joy and, and have a little patience. And self-control what would life look like right because we don't need the people who like want to be our friend but then don't want to be our friend but then when they find out that you got something that they want now they want to be a friend again we don't need those kind of people right no one needs that um, so two oh no hold on I skipped some points let me let me go back right here's the thing sometimes when you, you're when you're ditching the need to fit into an ungodly world um, it may mean that you have to change up your crew it may mean that the people that you are hanging out with are not the people that you should be hanging out with. Um, there is a scripture that in one Corinthians fifteen thirty-three that says, uh, "Do not be misled; bad company corrupts good character." Right? That—that's ha- not just a scripture that we tell our children. Fun, bad company corrupts good character. You don't want to hang out with the bad kids. That's as- that's for adults too, right? The company that we keep it it, it transforms who we are. Right. The same is true about bad company, corrupt good. Good character. If you hang around a good company, it will develop good character. Right. And these are the things that uh, that we see. And sometimes we don't realize uh, the influence that our crew is having on us. Because that's just my boy. That's just those are my girls. And and it's all good. But however they're feeding you, it, it it rubs off on you. And if you're if you don't have the spiritual maturity to rub off on them more than they rub off on you, you're going to end up being more like their character. And sometimes uh, we do this in relationships. Sometimes we think that we're trying to be somebody's savior, like, oh, I just need to, like, I can, I can be Jesus for them. But we don't realize that as we're trying to get them to the foot of the cross, they're trying to get us to the doorstep of hell. And we need to be able to, to just have wisdom to look and see what's happening, right? Think about Jezebel, right? Jezebel influenced all of Israel. They were worshiping the Lord, and then home chick comes on the scene with all her prophets, and now the scripture said that they were wavering between two opinions. They were wavering between the worshiping God and the worshiping Baal, and somehow they tried to do both. You can't do both. That's not how God desires for us to follow him, and I remember being in college, and I remember walking to church behind uh, two of the guys in my campus ministry, um, and they were talking about being pure. And i had never heard that before. I'd never seen two young men talking about how they need to be pure in their relationships and how this would honor God. And I was like, holy moly. Like, this is real. Like, this is like, whoa. But here's the thing. It, It made it so much easier when I surrounded myself by other people who were trying to hold each other accountable to be pure for me to be pure as well. So that when I did get married, when I was dating my husband, we could maintain a pure relationship. So much so so much conviction that our first kiss was on our wedding day because we were like, we don't want to cross any lines because God means that much to us. Whatever it is that we desire, whatever it is that we want falls in comparison to being able to give God the glory in our marriage and in our life, and we didn't want to put each other as idols because that's my nature, right? I would have told you, like, put you on a podium, like, yes, and he's fine too, so I would be like, yes, Jesus, yes, you look just like Jesus to me, right? But God, God, God taught me a very clear lesson in who I hang with, Right? I need to make sure that my crew um, are people who are influencing me toward Jesus Christ. Um, and if I couldn't influence them toward Jesus Christ more than they influenced me away from him, I just need to love them from a distance. Right? I need to pray for them from a distance, and that is okay. Two, shake off the naysayers who try to silence your faith in Jesus. Uh, there will be people who try to get you to be quiet. Um, about Jesus and the Bible. Uh, most of us live in Montgomery County and what I've learned, I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, which is the Bible belt, right? Nothing happens on Sunday because everybody's at church, right? I've learned here in Montgomery County, especially in our schools, they don't really like Jesus. You can be anything and everything else but a Christian. We will support all the other things, but Christian, oh, you're pushing your faith on me. And I'm like, oh, you guys kind of suck. But right this is this is, this is is the environment that we live in they'll, they'll try to get you to be quiet about your faith but you have to choose to be bold and you have to choose to be unashamed about your faith in Jesus not that, that you have to like walk up to strangers on the street and be like boom you need Jesus and you need Je-. I mean you could but I don't know if that's going to be the most effective ministry but I'm reminded of this blind beggar named Bartimaeus that you'll find um, in the gospels and what was really cool is Jesus was walking through uh, the town that he was in, and there's a huge crowd following him because by now they've seen Jesus do all of these cool miracles, right? And the, the people are following him. And so uh, Bartimaeus catches wind that this is Jesus, right? So Bartimaeus starts crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd is like, shh, it's Jesus. Be quiet. Right, And the scriptures say that he shouts all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he stops Jesus in his tracks, and Jesus says, come to me. And so the Bible says that Bartimaeus threw off his cloak, and he ran to Jesus, and when he got there, Jesus healed him of his blindness. But what would have happened if he allowed the crowd to silence him? What would have happened if he was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's Jesus, I should just be quiet about my faith and the things that I'm feeling or going through, or the healing that I need, he would have missed out on his miracle, right? And here's the thing. I bet you some of the people who try to silence him were also disciples of Jesus, right? They were probably like, oh, he's real important. He's the Messiah, doesn't have time for this, right? We see them, like, trying to shoo away children as well, and Jesus had to tell them, no, bring the children to me, right? So I believe that sometimes you're going to come across some very well-intentioned Christians, who are going to tell you, you don't have to shout that loud. You don't have to be that bold. You don't have to serve that much, pray that much, give that much. But here's the thing. If this is what God told you to do, then you do that much each and every time because the thing that you are doing may not be what God has um, chosen for them to do. right? You do what God has chosen you to do, and they have their own calling over here. Perhaps they may not be at the place of faith that you are, And that's okay. But don't allow people to to dim your shine for Jesus because they don't understand it or they don't get it. Um, Make sure that you are shouting all the louder. And you do it. And I remember even for me, um, my first desire to be in ministry was when I was 18. Um, And over the course of years, I just felt I wasn't good enough. I was unqualified for all of the many reasons, right? I'm a woman, X. Right. I didn't go to seminary. X. I have an art degree. What are you going to do with that? I love Jesus. and I'm an artist. Great. Right. And then even just I'm married, but my husband doesn't right now have a passion for being in ministry. X, X, X. Like you are unqualified, qualified, qualified. And here's the thing. This is it. It wasn't even something that someone told me. Sometimes the naysayer is yourself. It's your own mind, it's your own thoughts, it's your own feeling, and you have to silence that naysayer sometimes more than the rest of the world. And so, even with Elijah, Elijah struggled with this himself. Right, he was in the wilderness, like, oh, they all hate me, they all want to kill me. I should just die. Everyone, oh. right? He was his own naysayer, and God had to be like, yo, snap out of it. I'ma send some people to help you out. Like, you got this. Like, I've called you. So three, and my, my third and last point here, discover your unique purpose in God's kingdom. Uh, it was really cute. Earlier this summer, I was having a, um, uh, a leadership meeting uh, or a volunteer interest meeting for youth ministry. And so there is a new person there, and she brought her four-year-old daughter, Talia. She was so cute. So cute. She's just like this ball of encouragement. And so there are a few other women who are at this table, and she's sitting there, and she just looks at you, and she's like, I love your earrings. So cute. She goes to the next person. Oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful. What's that thing in your hair? Oh, cute. Yes. She looks at me. She's like, I love your makeup. Oh, and I like your glasses, too. And I was just like, can we just take her home? can we just like bottle her up? And I just need you every morning as I rise to be like, Sholly, you are amazing and wonderful. And I just love you, right? And here's the thing. As I watched her, I was like, wow, what is God choosing her for? What She has that gift of encouragement because some people don't got the gift of encouragement. It is not their skill set, right? But God is going to use this little girl to be, doing some amazing things just to encourage the heart of God's people in ways that is just unique to her. And so this made me think about um, talents and spiritual gifts, right? Talents are the things that you are skilled at, right? Or you can develop a skill at, right? Maybe you're good at planning, building, designing, singing, right? These are all talents that I used to always say, Dear Jesus, right? I just need one more spiritual gift, and that is singing. And then... All will be well I just need that one last gift and someone eventually burst my bubble and was like Charlotte <clears throat> um, sing is a talent and if you don't have it yet it's not coming it's not coming how about you focus on the talents that you do have and the gifts that you do have and I was like dang amen I guess that's biblical okay I'm going with it. But here's the really cool thing is that there are tons of spiritual gifts that the Bible has outlined in the scriptures. And I have a quick little graphic um, just in case you ever want to like look them up. There are tons of them. Prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, teachers, healing, miracles, helping, administration. There are tons of gifts that the Holy Spirit has distributed to everyone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ for the building and edifying of his body. And so for me, I had to look at the talents that God did give me, right? Apparently, I learned that I, I knew how to speak, right? And I and I, I like to think that I'm pretty encouraging, right? And so God has paired those things. Well, even encouragement is, is, a, is a spiritual gift, right? God has paired those things so that I could be doing the thing that I am called for now. And so my encouragement to you is find out the thing that you're great at. Find out how God has uniquely gifted you with the talents and the spiritual gifts because they are designed to build up God's church. And I'm sure somewhere in this room, as Carrie said, multiple of you are called to be neighborhood collective leaders. I'm plugging for you, honey. I got your back, boo. Uh, but we, we need people like that. And here's the thing. You just need to, like, love people. Love people. Care for them. Ask them how they're doing and read your Bible. Yes, we should all be reading our Bibles. It is good. It is not the pastor's job only to read the Bible, right? Uh, But know what those things are. And here's the cool thing is that wherever you are in life, you, you don't have to be vocational ministry to be a kingdom worker, Right? Sometimes we think that, oh, you know, for God to use me, I've got to, like, do ministry things, right? God can use you wherever you are, right? So I'm Bible, what they call, I'm learning all these terms, bivocational, right? So I am a photographer uh, most of the time, and I love doing kingdom work as a photographer, because there are so many women who come into my studio and they feel insecure and they feel like they're not good enough, they're not beautiful enough, they're not whatever. They they're literally dreading having to be in front of this camera, but it's like, but I got to have a picture on LinkedIn, so I got to do what I got to do, right? And so my hope is that as I'm working with them, I speak over the things over them the things that God would speak over them. Right? So as I'm shooting, I'm saying things like you're beautiful. You're perfect. Or work, honey, work. Like I am, I want them to experience what it's like to be poured into, right? And so as I am working with them, I might share, oh, yeah, I also happen to work in youth ministry and I happen to do these other things or we're going on a ministry. I'm just sharing bits and parts of my faith as I go along so that hopefully when they're thinking about, oh, Shala is so uh, loving or joyful or Patient. it's not just because Shala is a good person. It's because Shala is exhibiting the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's because Shala is a Christian. And one day, maybe as I'm going through some things, I might remember that photographer that I was working with who, who, who encouraged me and I felt like a million bucks when I left. Maybe she will know how to help me get closer to Jesus. Right. So, what are the things that you could be doing where you are um, in your workplace, in your community to be able to communicate um, that Jesus is real? Right. There's kingdom work for you to do that he has chosen you to do. And the reality is, is that you're, you're, you may be the only kingdom worker where you are. Right. That means that God has uniquely gifted you and talented you to reach the people there. And it's up to you to do that. So how has God chosen you for kingdom work? Uh, and I am confident that if you ditch the need to fit into an ungodly world, and if you silence the naysayers who try to silence your faith and you discover your unique uh, purpose in God's kingdom, God will unleash you to do some seriously epic things for his kingdom.